There we go. I'm always louder than everybody else. There's something about my voice. Just booms. Yeah. Cool. Cuts, right. cuts through. Yeah. So we got some shitty video happening. We'll leave the window open. Doesn't matter if there's no. noise. No one gives a shit. No. Like, turns out, yeah, nobody cares about background noise or things happening. They just want to hear interesting people talk. That's all. Like everyone's trying to make the perfect podcast with all this amazing gear, expensive equipment. No, no, I uh, like the I like the background sound a little bit. Something mm. coming in, you know, it, it gives that another dimension, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I'll do a little introduction and all then right. I'll uh, bring you in. Hey, man. Hey, guys. This is the next episode of Comedy Guy, and we're here in the uh, Comedy Estonia podcast studio. It's another hot day, and I'm joined this week by my friend uh, Sten Eric Alikas. And Sten Eric uh, has had this really interesting uh, life and career, you might say. He's he's lived in a whole bunch of different countries. Uh, and we're gonna talk a lot about that he was running a band in Cambodia. He's lived in London, Singapore, sometime in, in Melbourne. And we're gonna talk a little bit about what it was like to be a musician. He's now a trained chef as well. He's got a, a, a kitchen and a restaurant running in Norway. So, hey, why not let add more countries on? And what it's like, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, I like to talk about the entertainment industry, but also creativity and living your own life and what it's like to make your own way and to not want to just follow the rules of the rest of the society. And, you know, even though that guy's got a Porsche, I'm not going to live like that guy. The Porsche isn't worth it. So it's going to be a bit more of a meandering talk and a, a look into Sten's life so Sten Eric hey buddy welcome man mm, thank you thank you so much and Porsche is on the way isn't it it's coming don't worry yeah. don't worry about it it's excellent yeah it's it's great to be here thank you for inviting me mm. and um yeah I've been I've been back now uh, for the summer kind of mandatory thing everybody was sent home right mm. so I've been really enjoying this place this this mm. uh, I didn't really think that would be so great but going out here into the forest uh, traveling Estonia uh, it's been it's been wonderful, and um, that's an interesting connection to bring it back around. Because I mean, it, there's uh, a lot of similarities I think between our attitudes and the way that we both travel the world and tried to find a place, and that now you've come full circle. You're back here in Estonia. You know, I, I'm I'm and back. Now you're like, this I'm place back. ain't bad. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good. And especially I gotta say, what you have done here with the, with the comedy scene. That's that's incredible, right? I, I just gotta I gotta start uh, by saying that uh, we met we met. I remember it was like ten ten years ago, yeah, right? Ten and, years ago, yeah. And I, you were you guys were in this bar in in old town. Drink bar would have yes, been then, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, excellent. <laughs> and I was I there was no uh, stand up comedy at the time, right? And mm. um, I'm a big fan since I was a child. I started with uh, uh, watching comedians like you know. Bill Hicks and Richard Pryor, um, Eddie Murphy, of course, and and so on, so on. So for me, it was like it was like a, a ray of light, right? So I was like, what, I came straight over, right? Uh, after after the show, I said, <laughs> "What are you guys doing here? What is this?" You know, and I was I was really pleasantly surprised, and um, to see what you guys have done with it now, it's it's just incredible. And, nice, uh, now, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't you the ones that introduced us to Club Privé? I was, yes. <laughs> yes, we were working with them together. Uh, and I was like, you guys need a big, bigger venue. This venue, is true. And, and you got to get, get exposure right now. And um, 
Yeah, I was just I was just using my connections, and yeah, that's yeah. about it. I I just wanted comedy. That's all I wanted. I I just want to laugh, like the rest of the Estonians, because we need that, right? You know, it's been a while since uh, we got a laugh. It, and it was look at the time it was the right thing to do at Privé because nobody understood what we were. Nobody understood what the fuck you know. A few you know people like you did know, but for the most part, it was very confusing. Bar owners, venue owners didn't understand what this thing was. And on one hand, like credit to Kuno that I guess he understood a bit. He and, and NR did understand mm. something. Um, it went all right at Privé. Um, we kind of, after a while, discovered that as we grew in popularity, there were people who weren't coming because they didn't want to come to Privé. Mm. They weren't Privé people. And yeah. this was our first education about that people associate with venues. They're like, I'll go there, but I don't go there. It's like, oh, okay. And yeah, the whole, I don't know if I've told this story end to end before, but uh, it didn't end well. Oh, wow. And uh, eventually, look, we co-produced the first Dylan Morin show with them because we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Mm. And that there, and then they got some cut out of that. And then it seemed to me that it basically, it was like, Kuno thought he owned half of our business. Oh, no. Oh. And I was like, no, nah, that's not how it works, champion. Yeah. And then we had a meeting and we told him that uh, we were not going to perform at his venue anymore. He threatened us. I laughed at him, uh, which, you know, I-, I appropriate in that situation. Right. And I, I think I made a comment as like, I, is this 1992, bro? Like what? Yeah, yeah. You, I don't know shit works like that anymore. And uh, he said he's going to send lawyers letters on Monday. And this was the first time we ever got threatened with a lawyer's letter. So that was a good, it's a quite a milestone. And, uh, <laughs> and it's good because now, look, we've been threatened with a lot of lawyer's letters. I've had a lot of people oh, yeah. over the years <laughs> tell me they're going to send me. Sometimes they do. And then we send them a lawyer's letter back. And that, you know, and usually doesn't go further than there. So, you know, that's all part of the process. And it's made us learn that, you know, when people are not winning an argument, they, they go to is you'll hear from my lawyer. And I'm mm. like, I look forward to it because lawyers are not typically angry people where you, whoever you might be at this time, you're a little bit angry right now. So yeah, it makes you, makes you tough over the years. And that's all part of the game, part of the creativity, part of the showbiz. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and um, that, that what makes you stronger, I suppose. You, gotta, you know, I'm sorry to hear it went like that. No, no, it's fine. And look, it's, not, it's certainly not, no reflection upon yeah, you. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Uh, you know, we, we learned to assert ourselves. We learned to put the value in ourselves and the thing that we were doing. And at every step of the way, I've had to, because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing at the start. So you got to, you know, more and more be confident in yourself and be confident like, oh, okay, we don't necessarily need them. We can do this on our own. And yeah, mm. okay, we could. So that's- yeah. How you do? Yeah, and I'm glad you did because uh, sometimes people they come in and they want to change your kind of a mm. vision of it, and and it doesn't necessarily always work. Sometimes it works brilliantly, but when you have your own clear vision where you want to go, just keep with that and just just uh, go with it. Mm. And no, t don't don't take you know shit from nobody, <laughs> as they say. So let's let's just do a little bit of background on who you are mm. first, because I mean we want to get into a little bit about the way eventually into how the society that we're in and it kind of tells us to be a certain way and do a certain thing. But 
give us the shorter background on, did you grow up in Tallinn? How did you get to, you know, where we were at, we kind of meet 10 years ago, because then we're going to go off into your story of your travels. And Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I, I grew up here uh, quite close uh, to this neighborhood. Mm. And I... Um, it was rough. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie, right? I mean, I, I grew up in a Soviet Union. Union, you know, the end of it. Mm-hmm. It was like the nine nine last years of the Soviet Union was my childhood. Hmm. So and you were nine when the Soviet Union yeah, fell. Yeah, right I was. Right. I was nine. Um, for a kid, I mean, it was great. You know, we didn't know everybody was poor and <laughs> depressed, and they were held. You know, they were held in here as prisoners, basically. Hmm. We, we, I, we didn't have no idea. So we were having a really good time because everything was communal. There was no fences. We were running around, you know, through through uh, houses, and everything was open. So, and the kids were on the street. Everybody were on the street, right? Mm-hmm. The the lifestyle was different. You wanted to see somebody, uh, you had to go to their house, uh, you know, under the window and okay, whistle yeah, and yeah, shout, no shout out and and and. Um, and if you, they were not home, then you weren't looking for them on the streets, and it was it was great, right? Um, I'm not saying it's it's like. Oh, it's nothing like it was back then. Now. <laughs> Get I'm, off I'm, my lawn! No, no, no. Today they have they have their own things, you know, the kids, and 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 this is how it progresses the world, right? So um, I went to music school um, when I was uh, six, and and uh, I did that for seven years, and then they moved. And back at the day when you uh, in Soviet Union, when, when you moved your house, then you also uh, have to move school because. The school was in that different area where mm-hmm. you live now. So I went from this. Um, I went from this really nice. Uh, I went to Jakob Vestolmi Gymnasium, which is a very pres- mm. prestigious school, right? Uh, the Revale Boistegor, which is uh, you know, it's 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 uh, uh, up there. It's it's up there. So I went from this wonderful environment where I learned music. You know, I went to Tallinn Uhis Gymnasium. Okay. Yeah. Back at the day, it it was. I think it was one of the most horrible schools you can go. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, it was rough. It was rough. I think it was. Uh, they, they were all. Um, uh, I mean, Jakob Vestolmi was up there, you know, to somewhere in top ten, and uh, Tallinnoyus Gymnasium was 150th. Yeah. Wait, is that in the country? There's 150 yeah. schools yeah, Tallinn, in the country. Tallinn. Jesus, yeah. No, no. There's only 140 schools in Tallinn, but it was 150. <laughs> it was so bad. It was. It was horrible. Um, I went there. Uh, there was no music there, first of all. I've been yeah. learning music for th- seven years, only music. Math, a little bit, you know, physics here and there, but m- mostly mostly music. So now I went there, none of it, you know, uh, only math, physics, chemistry, and nobody even asked, where are you coming from? Mm. Uh, do, you, do you know this? I, I, w- I was... I was, you know, the first thing I, I what I did to, to survive was started cheating and making <laughs> these little notes and, you know, how, how I can get past this because my, 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 my brain was wired in a different, mm. you know, way at the time. So, uh, and also there, there was a, there was bullies, right? Mm. The, the bully society was there. I mean, teachers died on the job because they were old also but they, it was so horrible that they couldn't they could, they would just uh, have enough of with this shit yeah. and they just you know took out and um i went to that school uh i uh, the new place i lived one of the main bullies was living on the same street so i was like kind of you know i was not touched that much like i was i was left alone because it was like a jail when you came new guy came in you were tested right <laughs> 
So, but the older guys, bullies, they didn't like that. They were like, "Nah, this we need to test this guy, right?" So they took another guy who was bullied, and and they, um, you know, challenged me. He took one one point. He came and he put a pen. You know, he hit a pen in my hand, mm. and it, the other guy was like, "Okay, now we have to fight." You know, after school, this time you'll mm. be there, and yeah, yeah. there's a fight, right? We're gonna test you. No, they didn't say, it, but that basically, that's that's how how, how I understood. And the guy was bigger than me also uh the 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 you know who was i was very skinny at the time very 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 skinny um and i there was a fight i went out there there was a big ass circle 50 people right uh-huh. <laughs> it was it was an event where were the teachers that's what <laughs> yeah, i want to know yeah, right. <laughs> where were they hiding they're um, taking bets off to the yeah. side they're making money off this <laughs> they were scared <laughs> and um and people on the windows so it was a big event you mm. know it's 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 um and and um yeah this is the only time i ever fought uh was that time in school i won you know i was accepted but but it wasn't nice you know mm. it wasn't like you know it w- it, w- it wasn't a great environment to to be in for three years uh and definitely the education system um is 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 more uh, on the way of your dreams than it's helping you to achieve them kind of a thing so sooner you realize that uh, the better off you are so i went to cookery mm. school so mm. uh um, yeah so this is after high school already yeah after, okay after yeah, yeah. I, no no there was a few more years i went mm. to night school you know i hmm. went i went here and there there was quite a few schools i've been in so at the end of the day i went to the cookery school um and they um it was also the topic there. The best thing we, you know, about that was we we they sent you uh, uh, in a work uh, environment where you be for two weeks. You can practice your skills mm-hmm. there. That was it. Rest of it was absolute rubbish. Um, and uh, on the third year, there was like five of us. We were not, you know, we were, you know, bad boys kind of a thing. We were not learning that much and we were asked to leave the school uh, our, our teacher said maybe you guys you know want to leave because i don't want to take you to the exams you guys might embarrass me you know uh. and i was like all right fair enough you know i'll i'll, I'll write i sign this paper i'll take off uh, i was a little bit pissed mm-hmm. at the time i was like you know what i'm gonna do but i i got this really good job uh at this as a, as a prep chef and a, and a, and a pot wash in a restaurant called Esli Dail, which was a legendary restaurant at the time. A lot of uh, Finnish people went there to eat uh, red meat, uh, rapper, uh, pepper steak. Okay. You know, Where was it? In Old Town? Uh, yeah, Old Town, mm-hmm. uh, Dunkeri uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Street. So um, that was a that was a very busy place. Um, I was a prep chef there, and I, w- I wanted to prove myself. You know, I was mm. kind of kicked out of school, and now I got a you know I got this I got this uh, you know good job in a good restaurant. It's a good start. So I did that uh, prep uh, chef thing for uh, for uh, three months, uh, pot wash, uh, and then I got into a larder section, which is salads and stuff like that. And from there, uh, I did that for three months, and then the head chef quit. Right, and I, I was young. I was like, I don't know, twenties, and they and they said, Ah, oh, let's give you a go. You know, let's try you out. <laughs> you know, and I've been working for six months, but I, I, I you know, I've seen what they've done. Yeah, you know, sure. I, so I, I was up for the task, and I did that. I I did that uh, another six months until they closed the restaurants. They sold the the uh, place to Russians or something. And uh, yeah, after that, I was ready. You know, we did two hundred fifty covers. Uh, 
like every day. Mm. I mean, it was more. It was 250 seats mm. there in the summertime. So we did uh, around 500 people each night. Yeah, and um, that must have been long hours. That was long, and uh, a lot of chefs like to drink after work. Yeah. So we were drinking hard and uh, and working hard. But we were we were making um, quite a decent money as well there. Mm. So it was it was worth it. And That's a tough part of the hospitality industry, isn't it? That it's because you work late and then you're always having a, because you want to decompress after you've dealt with, well, maybe if you're the wait staff, the shitty customers, mm. if you're in the kitchen, it's just insanity for several hours, at least in the middle. And there's booze there. There's always some drinks and there's such yeah. a strong, but that's the tough part that we know as comedians. If you're drinking every night to decompress, it catches up with you and you're not performing at your best. No. But uh, you're young, I guess, and you're, you're crazy and you're yeah, into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, chefs, uh, they are, they are um, how, how should I say, they, they ha most of them drink alcohol or they smoke weed or they do something to wind down because of that. Mm. I mean, the job itself is not horrible, right? You know, there's mm. food. I mean, you're working with food and you're making people feel good and, and make them happy. But, but the pressure itself, um, when it gets busy, and there's no point of return. You just gotta work with it. And and I've, I've worked in a situations in London where I worked. Uh, I went there uh, to work for Gary Lee, who is a um, executive chef in London Ivy at the moment. And I worked for him for a year, and it got so busy sometimes that the head chef. It, it was, this environment was also new for me because it was very professional. Uh, chef was shouting all the time, the tickets and then where is this table and the communication level in that kitchen was, there was no other way because it was so busy. Mm -hmm. If you don't communicate, you crash, right? And there was uh, sections as well. So you have different sections and everybody has their job and it all comes together in a pass where the head chef is and you can't fuck up. You know, mm -hmm. you're s sending something one minute early, one minute late. To, sh to head chef, he will throw that at you, and, mm -hmm. and 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 that's that's how it goes down. So sometimes the head chef was screaming at me, faster, faster, you know. <laughs> There's the stereotype. I mean, because that's a, a stereotype. I guess we're all familiar with. Everyone's seen some Gordon Ramsay episode mm. or some fucking Jamie Oliver, whatever. Like, and when I always watch that stuff, I'm like, does it have to be that way? Is there something inherent about kitchens? Yes, absolutely, high pressure. Yes, maybe margins are thin, kitchen space is small, a lot of things to coordinate. I mean, do you have to be a dick? They seem to be talented and dicks a lot of the time as well. Like, does it have to be that way? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I, I suppose it, it would have to be in some environments because the, everybody knew that, you know, Gary Lee as a head chef, he's a badass, right? Mm -hmm. He can he can um, tear you a new one. But after work, when the, the clock hit, when the last table was gone, he changed, man. He was, you huh. know, what's up, what's up, dudes? You know, let's, uh, you know, let's yeah. chill out and let's talk, you know, let's, let's, uh, he was, he was a really good guy, a good person. He, um, he helped a lot of young kids like myself and, and uh, he was also one in, hmm. one, of, one of the years, he was one, 100 most uh, influential black people in uh, UK. Yeah. So he's done his part. But yeah, uh, there was times where, you know, maybe pressure got to him as well sometimes. Yeah. It was, we were busy, so. So it's about balancing off that like, okay, yes, in that moment and okay, he's just fucking yelled at me, but 
we see enough of the real human being of this chef mm. that he talks with us, he mentors us later, you know, works us through it, that we know this guy's not a psychopath. Yeah, no, yeah. no, when he, he stepped into the kitchen, everybody was on their toes. Uh, yeah. There was no question because there was sometimes, you made a mistake, sometimes we forgot, like there was something like a, uh, we forgot duck fat, like few containers in the fridge in my mm. section. I didn't leave them there, but I'm still responsible. So he went in there, he found them and he just threw them out on the floor. Like, what the fuck is this shit? You know, and I was standing there, it just sprayed on me, this tuck fat. You know, I was just, I was taking it. And, and I didn't mind at all. Okay. You know, it was my, my bad. Sorry, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll take it. Um, and and uh, I really enjoyed it because it kind of gave me also, when, when, um, and I worked myself up there. Uh, you know, I, I started from Lauder, went to pastry, uh, and you went to, uh, went to um, all the sections, right? So uh, at at the end of end of my uh, time there, I was there was two Estonians. He actually hired me because of another Estonian who <laughs> was working so good for him. <laughs> and he was like, I I'll, I'll take you in. I want a one year out of you, yeah. but I'll teach you a lot, right? So I was like, all right. And uh, end of my time there, there was yeah, two Estonians on his both uh, hand, right hand and left hand were both Estonians, and we were like. We were we didn't make any mistakes. We were yeah. we were, you know, Estonians are good workers when you you train them, and uh, we're trained. This is we're true. Trained this is true. Yeah. There is a good work ethic going on here. We're not. Yeah. There's a good thing. So you so when because you, you went to, uh, right. You did the the school and all that. You were training as a chef, and then yeah, when I met you, you were thinking about you were still you were playing some music, you were thinking about leaving. Yeah. Um, this is about 2010 or so would have been something yes, something yes excellent um i yeah i did the chef thing i i got i was trained properly uh, i got good at it and uh, then i was i was thinking you know so the music thing still right i went to music school and i was young something was missing something is mm. kind of bothering me that I'm, I'm i'm not doing it so i went back to choir singing uh, for three years and um Really nice choir, actually here at Vox Populi. They do uh, they do great uh, performances and great stuff, and they be they're becoming quite famous now as well. Um, but yeah, then I went to a hippie community in Spain as well. I spent there for a year. At Wait, the what? When was this then? That was also when I was living in London. Okay, so, so after 2010, you decided to leave, and then you went to London. You're working uh, in the in the kitchen that you yeah, talk us about, yeah. and you had a little sojourn, a little trip over to yeah, where my Spain friend well. my friend went from Estonia to south of Spain hitchhiking. Right. I have friends that did that shit as well. Yeah. Like same thing, like 2007, 2008. I had like they're like two little chicks. And I was like, what? Are mm. you not afraid for your vaginas? <laughs> like, huh? And they just did it and it's fine. And they, no, no yeah. one touched, it was fine. No, yeah, I, I never traveled like that. You, that takes yeah. courage and balls. And, and uh, it was sometimes- It was still the balls. age where that probably, I, I don't know if it happens today, but yeah. yeah. So they went there, they found this place uh, through also this great adventure they went through. Uh, they found this uh, really nice hippie community in South of Spain, which is called uh, Beneficio, which is uh, beneficial in, in English. And um, I was like, really? What, what is, I'm in London mm. really busy. Um, I wanna come there, I wanna check it out. You know, what are you guys doing there? So there is around, uh, it's in a valley in the mountains, in uh, Sierra Nevada mountains, close to this town called Orjiva, right? It's in a valley, it's a beautiful place, uh, amaz amazing place. So there's a little uh, stream coming down from the valley. There's a fresh water source there, a spring that is delightful. Mm. So everything is there. Um, 
you know, the fresh product, the vegetables and everything. And uh, yeah, I went there and they were living there, you know, in a tent. Huh. And, and uh, we were building a teepee. We got a teepee next and then we started building a little house because everything, you can't build anything permanent there, right? Mm-hmm. So you, this needs to be... How many people are living in this commune? Uh, at the time, there was around 150 people. All right, quite mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Is there some sort of hierarchy there? Is there some sort of leader or...? Actually, I mean, there's no. That, that's mm. what they say, you know, there's yeah. there's no leader there, but there are definitely some gurus there and you can see uh, okay. spiritual leaders kind of uh, um, people. Uh, mostly uh, they grow weed there, <laughs> weed growers. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And um, so there was... So you arrive there and you've got to make your own teepee to live in. Yes. They're taking fresh water from the stream. Mm. Uh, is there any, is this like some communes that I've heard about, they maybe do some sort of agriculture or something to earn some money with the community. I mean, how are you, how does the commune support itself? As a, mostly uh, wheat growers. Yeah. <laughs> right, selling wheat. Sorry, you said that. Why didn't I no, put no, that no. together? But there, yeah. was, there was not only, only, but the thing is what, that uh, there's uh, local people, uh, Spanish, uh, old, old families, uh, generations been growing wheat there in the mm. mountains. Mm. What do they do? They sell the weed, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and probably they smoke it as well. I'm I'm not sure, but yeah. Um, So, and also in the community, there were were a few old hippies and they also had uh, big plantations in the mountains somewhere. Mm. You know, we don't, it's it's high up. But every uh, harvest time, which is around October 8th, comes a helicopter, police helicopter, you know, scouting and Mm. looking for fields and, and, you know, they need to bust something. They need to show to the government that they're doing something, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I started playing music there also. That's the music thing. Uh, the every every evening, people get together um, in a big tipi. That's a, uh, you can fit 50 people in that tipi. Big fire in the middle. They make food, they eat, and then they start playing music. Huh. Yeah, incredible music. People come from Africa. They've been learning drums, you know, djembes with some tribes there. Mm. And they, they this is their uh, s- spot where they come to rest, Beneficio. And the you know the melodies and the rhythms and the things that we hear in that tippy every night it mm. was it was um so you typically yeah. it's very interesting people who i mean so, so you've come straight from london as well okay the most intense mm. environment in the world so during the day are you doing manual labor you're working in a field or doing some work no i was i was uh working in london at the time so i had some money yeah uh, so you had the money but then you came to the sorry when you come yeah, to the the uh, commune i i, I mostly just uh, was playing djembe, the drum, the hand drum. I was trying to get my okay. rhythm rhythm down. Right. And, and I, I so you don't, not everybody needs to have a job job no, as no, such no. in this community. No, no, it's, huh. it's totally, total anarchy. You can do whatever you want there, mm-hmm. you know, as, as long as it doesn't disturb other people. Sure. Uh, that's why this community was so beautiful as well, because oh. there was nobody who came to tell you anything that, oh, you can't do that here, as long as you are, you know, in, in that, in that uh, space that, you, you know, you keep everything cool. Um, but that that yeah that uh, bang the drum then I I build a guitar my first guitar I built I had a neck and a body so I put those together oh. somehow and I, I I tried to play that and um, yeah that's that's how it slowly started um, my my way back to music does that commune still exist do you know yes it does exist hmm. uh, but it's not that active anymore because of all the firewood uh, in thirty years it's been collected from the area. Okay. So there is no. Uh, oh. You have to bring in the fire food yeah, to, make the to make the fire. Yeah. Okay. So they do it once a week or something okay. like that now. But it's 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 not like every night it was. 
it was back at the day yeah but it's still it's still worth going there and spend some time and get close to the nature and, and mm. again you know take time for yourself because it's such a, an idea that probably a lot of people today can't even like comprehend that you would just be in a place and we're all just banging drums and hanging out and like what do you what do you do you mean even i was like surely you work in the fields or something <laughs> like no no no, we're just we're just there no, just do what you want what do you yeah. want to do you know okay. whatever you want to do just do and it. that it doesn't devolve into some sort of i mean you said anarchy but like i mean like bad anarchy like that it doesn't evolve so that there's some sort of mutual understanding <clears throat> You um, know, I'll do whatever I want. Okay, I'm going to, I don't know, light a fire and shoot people. <laughs> so I don't know, whatever. Yeah, well, the, the thing was that a lot of people uh, after the recession in 2008, a lot of people uh, moved there as well because, you know, they lost their homes and mm-hmm. they need, they changed their lives. So a lot of the, a lot of colorful people came there. So there was also the community, right, uh, which is in the valley, uh, in the eucalypt forest. But down there, uh, there's a car park where there's trailer parks and... and um, which is not that busy anymore, mm. but they drink alcohol there and they cause problems sometimes because uh, this is this is how, how alcohol works. Yeah? <laughs> I believe yes, I believe I'm familiar <laughs> with it. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, there, there was no alcohol allowed uh, in the tipi. In the, in the, okay. the there, there's they didn't tolerate that and meat. Right. Okay. Yeah. So vegetarian, a okay. lot of smoky weed. That was all right. <laughs> right. No problem with that for some reason, but. Um, yeah, that was the vibe there. That was it was really nice. It was very peaceful, very friendly, uh, very uh, open environment. Everybody was welcome. Mm. Mm. Hmm. So how long did you spend there? I spent a year there. Uh, not yeah. not uh, not all the way, but I did like I did four months, four months, and three months. Okay. Huh. Fascinating. Mm. Yeah, and and it, it definitely uh, was was beneficial for my uh, journey. I bet. It's something that I, I mean, I can't imagine. Um, not only are we all addicted to phones these days, which I'm very aware of, and I'm trying to stop the best that I can, but these small little pathological no, devices. No, because they're designed. They are trained to prey on your human abilities. They're using the same playbook that the Las Vegas casinos came up with. More like the same psychological playbook of keeping you hooked, giving you just a little bit for, you know, that it's the same techniques mm. that they use. So of course you can't, it's incredibly hard to get off, but even without a, a phone addiction, it's, I once went to a, it was a Buddhist retreat in uh, South of Sydney. Uh, I bought, it was going to be my friend and I, we were, and, and I was like, she was all into that stuff. And I went, I'll give it a go. I don't know. I'm a crazy guy. I'll give it a go. And then she got sick and I went, fuck it. I'll go anyway. And we went and we did the walking meditation. Then we did the eating meditation and then the silence and sitting in there. And I got to admit by about 8 p.m. I cracked. On 8 p.m. on the first day of a three-day retreat, I cracked. And I went to bed. I'm like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> the they all have to get up at like friggin' four in the morning or something. Mm. My roommate is like, Lewis, you getting up? I'm like, Nah, I'm out of here. And then I I go out to my car in the morning at, at eight a.m. Uh, as I drive out of the car park of the Buddhist monastery, there's like five other people. You clearly waiting as well. They have also cracked. We are not 
built for that life. And it was on the Southern coast of just past Wollongong. If you know something about New South Wales, I went down to the water. There was a beautiful swell. I went to the cafe. I got bacon, eggs, a flat white. And I said, I'll do it. This is, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. I can't do the Buddhism. Hey, fair enough. Huh? We, we, you know, <laughs> this is, this is how it is. We are, we are s- very simple to program us humans. It turns mm. out. And um, yeah, it's yeah. It, the the addictions. You tried mushrooms before. I I want to. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I haven't, so but that, I want to. That's a nice, really nice retreat. If um, you know you want to get away, and it's quick, right? It's like few hours, and you're done with it. You don't don't have to stay for three days in a monastery and and meditate and listen <laughs> listen to the gongs and, and all that. <laughs> so. Um, Yes, and I and I know that uh, therapists use that, mm. and and um, well, we used to just we, we used to take mushrooms because it was fun, right? <laughs> it was just like oh look at that, and we were laughing like crazy. And it's, it's it's very hilarious, what's going on. Um, but in a, in a late later trips now, I've done as well. Like uh, recently, I've done, and mm, you know, it, it gets as as you get older, the trips get a little bit different, right? You 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 differ, you interested in in a different. Uh, things now you know i want i have questions you know like i, I want to know i was about to say the same thing i would view it as a more serious thing oh, not like serious is but i'm like i really wanted to show me some stuff because yeah. i need a couple of answers and i was wondering if it can help me out so the best is to go with a with a therapist right and they will really guide you because they're shamans and they can guide you to a really uh you know the the original levels where we come from they, they say there's only two parts there uh, there's the good that brings you to the good and the thing that brings you to bad. So you, you go to that level, the shaman will bring you that, to that level and you can start, you know, uh, working on that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really a tool that can be used to fix yourself, uh, fix uh, depression or whatever issues you might have. And even pains in the body. And it, it's, it's an incredible um, piece of uh, nature that, that is it's illegal for some reason. And it it's helping a lot of people so um i think i think it is um that is uh, actually I, w- I was just having a conversation with a friend and yeah we, we were like we love it in estonia everything's great we love all the things and then we're like wouldn't it be great if things were legalized and we just look at each other and we're like nah ah, this ain't gonna <laughs> this is not happening around here for all our e online for all our progressiveness every interaction that I've had with, I don't know, bureaucrats or anyone in the government, not like I've met ministers who have thought about this, but just you get a vibe for what's going on. And we're very open to everything except Mm. drugs here. I can't see it happening here. Yeah, um, the old school, right? Yeah. Uh, Who the deciders are, and they're just stuck to their um, program. Um, They just don't want to change their guns and, and you can't blame them really because you know, it's it's uh, it's changing fast, right? It turns out that you know marijuana, that was a horrible drug like 50 years ago, mm-hmm. turns out to be uh, a savior of you know Earth, you yeah, know, <laughs> because you can make everything out of it. Mm-hmm. So, as we change our uh, you know our, our perspective on on that, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it might not happen in our lifetime, and but it will happen eventually because you know it's it's you can't deny that truth and and uh, that plant is 
is uh, really, really a good plant. And now we can't even get to Netherlands because they just made a lockdown yeah. of the quarantine there. We can't. Nah, yeah. They're just over. I was supposed to go there in December to meet up some with some friends, but we'll we'll see about that, how right. it goes. Uh-huh. And I, I don't think that maybe it shouldn't be, you know, illegal. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I, w- I wouldn't want to do like mushrooms or weed every day, you know. Sure. So but I don't think the Dutch do either. No, I don't they think don't, they're that chill. Nah, they, they're super chill. Yeah, they don't even they don't even smoke. You know, most yeah. of them I talk to them, they're like, nah, I don't. Uh, I did when I was young, but you know, that's it. So maybe, and th- that is that could be uh, also, uh, you know, a solution to a lot of problems is uh, legalization. They did that in Portugal, right? Mm. Yeah, you, you see what happened. The hard drugs, didn't they do that? Was it yeah, with heroin everything, and shit? Everything. everything. They went to the they went to politicians went to the scientists and they said we have an issue, right? We got to do something about that right now. And the scientists came back and said legalize everything. Damn, Bob that's Marley, legalize it. <laughs> it and uh, that's Bob. it. And the numbers went crazy. The 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 you know the addiction went down uh, drastically. All the numbers went positive, like mm. in few years. So. You know, what's going on? You know, what's what's um, yeah? It's it's yeah. Um, it's different regions are are still different mentalities. They're they'll get there. They'll get there one day. We'll get there. Mm. So when do you, you you do some time in London? You're in the commune there, and then you're you're thinking about Asia. Yeah, I'm thinking about Asia. I'm 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 keen. Uh, I'm really into uh, Asian food now. I do sushi and uh, oh, ja- yeah. yeah, Japanese food. I, I I'm I actually worked in a first sushi restaurant in Estonia. Ah, shit! Which what place was that? That was Sushi House. Mm. That was on Rataskaivu uh, 16. Where okay. is that Rataskaivu 16 at the yeah, moment? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was there, and it was the first uh, never in the history of Estonia okay. has anything been uh, like, like that here. So it was all proper. It, the equipment was br- brought from Japan, and we were you know uh, trained properly so i was getting really into that i was like yeah i like the you know i like the taste and i like i like the culture and i like i gotta mm. get there right i gotta get closer to asia so we went traveling um at one point through vietnam we went mo- with motorbikes we went through vietnam and then we uh, went to cambodia um we stayed there for uh, for a w- few weeks and then we went to thailand i had a trip there so uh, and after that i decided that cambodia is the this is it this okay. is it. this is the rawest place i've seen it's the jungle right it's it's uh, the rules don't the normal rules don't apply there mm-hmm. uh, you can just it's so corrupt there it's <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> but at the same time it's it's wonderful um and uh, because it just gives you gives you that sense of freedom uh that you don't have anywhere in else in the world so the, the we found this really nice town near near to the sea beautiful islands just a uh, half hour an hour away what was uh, the place? Uh, it's Chanukville. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a backpacker's heaven, right? I think I've heard of it. I can't remember if we went there or not. My friends and I, were in 2006, on the way to Europe, went through Thailand. I know we made it up into Cambodia. Maybe if Dita's listening, he can help me out to remember if we went to Chanukville. I have a possibility we may have been like, not like I can remember much of it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but that, yes. That time, it was, it was even, I mean, it was... Because it's like in the south of Cambodia, just to the north of Thailand, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. Right, yeah right. It's the, it's the biggest uh, uh, town in uh, by the sea, but it was it was it was growing fast, yeah, at the time. So there was uh, beach parties every night, and that's where I got the band together as well. I started doing open mics hmm. uh, with 
with me playing guitar and it was terrifying uh, because you know that, that that's to go up there and and in, in perform in front of people was to me was why was it? I mean, you performed you, you've done a lot, haven't you? Yeah, um, not like publicly, like not mm. in front of people. It's a different. Uh, th- I needed to do that also. Uh, I can explain why as well. Uh, beginning of my education system, which was turned out to be uh, an, a horrific experience. Also, in the first grade, when I was a, I was a very outgoing, very energetic kid, right? Mm. And um, back at the day, uh, they kind of used humiliation to bring kids down. So they pulled my pants down in front of the whole class, and everybody was pointing Jesus. fingers and laughing at me, right? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they, they, they probably don't do that anymore, but <laughs> Soviet Union... You know, there was it was a gray area. There was, I mean, it was all right to beat your kids. You know, yeah. to do if they misbehave, you give them a few smacks, and that's how you how you uh, fix them. So uh, that was always after that. I was I was quite timid, right? I was like I wasn't that outgoing. I wasn't screaming any anymore in front of the class like mm-hmm. I used to, right? So uh, and that's why I think I I wanted that. I needed to get. Mm, over that 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 fear because we have to you know eventually we have to face our fears and and get over them that's that's the one part of being alive i suppose and um it was to get up there uh it was pain painful physically to get uh, you know in wow. front of people yeah and also when after that incident uh i i obviously i lost all trust in the, in authority okay, right yeah. like if teacher i i, I w- never in my you know school career would yeah would trust the teacher because you know for obvious reasons so i i I knew i needed to get rid of that i need to uh throw that off my shoulders and i gotta get up there i gotta start performing i gotta get i want i want that feeling you know when everybody's there laughing at you pointing fingers kind of a perverse uh reverse psychology or i have no idea what could it be so i i yeah i started doing that there was some i a music shop I used to play, right? And the music shop owner was a, a horrible drunk. <laughs> and he, he saw me one time in an open mic and, and uh, he liked what, what I played. I, I knew I wasn't ready to be perform in front of people, he, but he took me physically and he, he was drunk and he threw me up there. <laughs> yeah, he threw me on stage and he started, you start playing right now, boy. <laughs> he was, he was uh, He's from like Texas. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, okay. He's, Texas. He's living yeah. in Chinookville yeah, as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he had a music store there. Um, of course, you do have a music store in Sheenookville. Yeah. Of course, that's the most obvious career path. No idea yeah, right. what, what's going on there. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's how it started slowly, and I knew that I need help. Right, I, I'm not gonna be able to get with this because my knowledge of music is not that great. So I need professionals uh, mm. so who can help me and teach me. And uh, I found a brilliant, brilliant guitarist from Denmark. He was there traveling as well. Uh, Morton. He used to. Uh, play in a heavy metal or death metal band. Okay. Yeah, like the Danish, uh, they know uh, it. Yeah. Blood label, blood label was the name. So, so you know it's hardcore, <laughs> right? And now I'm like, man, your sk- I need your skills, right? And he, he like my style, kind mm-hmm. of. A, you know, he he started playing guitar uh, for me. Um, and he's coming, you know, playing for these fucking riffs, like s- speed of lightning riffs. Mm-hmm. You know, he's playing like Britney Spears covers with me. <laughs> Come on, you know, we're doing this this pop shit with that everybody sings along and yeah. they like you know, because 
we wouldn't usually play that, but as we perform mm. in, in a venue, you know, we play what people want to hear. Sure. You're in a backpack of town. Yeah, right? yeah they, they show them party, a good time, yeah. you know, and, and, and um, then uh, joined uh, James from Philippines. Joined. He, we, we loved his style. He, he singing, his voice uh, amazing. Um, he could play guitar and bass and, and so we united and, and we started doing more gigs. Uh, I, I get better. I learn from them. Mm. We play five nights a week, so it's it's impossible uh, not you know not to learn from them. That's the way to get better. That's deliberate yeah. practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you, you gotta you gotta you know you, sometimes you just gotta ask for help. You know you gotta realize I'm I'm not good enough to do this. I need I need help. I need professionals who come in and they you know help me out and they support me. So, and I'm like, um, uh, telling them all the time, we've got to make our own music, man. I got a few songs, you got a few songs, you know, we, we would do good. And they're like, nah, 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 you have no idea what's, what it takes, you know, <laughs> because they both done bands for yeah, a okay, long, yeah. long time now. And they're like, shut, shut up, you know, play the tambourine and sing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but we're good friends, you know, mm. like, um, and, uh, they give in eventually they give in, you know, mm. we, we went, uh, we were in Vietnam and, uh, we went to this island. There was nothing there. I took them there, basically. Oh, we had a plan to go there. Uh, and we sat on a beach for a whole night. We had a few beers, uh, a few smokes, and we just put laid everything out we, uh, that we had. Mm. And uh, we got an album out of it. Mm. Uh, we went back. We worked on it for a bit, you know, get all the songs together. And um, the way it works, that me and James, we write songs. And uh, we have some melodies, but Morton is the is the musical uh, director in our band. He takes them and he makes this, you know, the solos there. He makes the bridges. He makes them work right, basically. Okay, so yeah. we have that kind of a kind of a uh, mixture that that works. Um, sure, that group dynamic. Yeah, That's what you dynamics. Yeah, yeah the, the different backgrounds mm. also help because James is from Philippines. He's from the show band, right? Uh, Morton is a death metal yeah. from a band. I'm I'm a choir boy. It doesn't get any more different than that, right? So it's it's kind of it was kind of meant to be. And uh, yeah, we did. We had a really great time doing the album. Mm, we released it in May, I think. Uh, it's out there. It's it's called the Veil. The Veil. The Veil. What's in the name of the band? Is, is the oh, the Veil. Yeah, the sorry. The Veil is the name of the band. The the, yeah. the Veil. Uh, in Estonia, it's the Vale. The Vale. The Vale, which means the lie. Oh, okay. So yeah. you gave it the Estonian name, but it has the English name also. Name as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were stuck. We were basically, I don't know, what's we, all the music is ready. We are ready to release. We don't have a name. <laughs> so we're like, I'm going through these Estonian names and I say, what about the veil? You know, and they're like, yeah, fuck it. It'll do. Yeah, it'll do. Just let's get over. So you guys are all, those other guys have kind of settled in Sunokville as well. So you're yeah. kind of living there as well. I mean, what are you, are you, uh, are you just, are you just living off the savings? Are you doing anything to make money or? Oh yeah, we're getting paid for playing music. Are you getting paid for playing music? Yeah. Even at the, now if, uh, you were playing at one bar a lot, weren't you? Yeah, Let's Effort. Yeah, okay. in Chinookville. Uh, five nights a week, we did that for a year or so. Dang, I mean, yeah. that's a trial. And as well, you're playing for backpackers. They're rowdy, they're crazy, they're all oh. partying. It's just a oh. party every night of the week. I was drinking whiskey on the stage <laughs> and smoking <laughs> joints to get, get through this evenings uh, <laughs> and you're smoking that that low sorry you're drinking that local whiskey which has got some good stuff in it oh yeah um we were drinking all sorts of whiskey there um but the local whiskey i i, I don't want to touch that very much it's it's uh, unpredictable you know right you never yeah. know what's what what's the next next day because we, I mean, we like. heard the the rumors they would sprinkle some stuff in it or add some extra 
yeah, uh, inconsistent. Mm. It could be normal. It could send you to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> it could be either one of those two. Yeah. Um, was it the typical backpacker thing? Were they? Did they serve buckets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah we've got to buckets, serve buckets. With buckets with with a lot of ten straws in there. Sometimes I wish they would serve buckets just at a regular bar here. Yeah, yeah. Just I miss it sometimes, <laughs> right? I wish we could just go down to Teleskivi here, and there's an outside bar, a copy car, and uh, whatever it costs, I'll get a bucket with ten straws, <laughs> and we can all just walk around getting fucked up. A bucket night. Uh, it doesn't work that well at the moment, does it? The bucket, the sharing thing. No, you can't the, share yeah, the bucket. Yeah, now, if you know, you know what kind of what we're talking about. It's in like Thailand and Cambodia and all those sort of places. It's a kind of a typical way to get because the alcohol costs fuck all there. So you get like a children's sand bucket, like something the children might play with at the beach or something like that, and a whole bunch of straws, and it costs I don't know whatever, and you get and that's what you drink and so it's very communal and you know you're a backpacker you're doing your thing and i mean i remember being so it might be yeah the local whiskey with i don't know tonic or something oh, yeah or it might be the local whiskey with red bull and mm. when you've had a bucket of red bull you're off to mars like say hello to elon musk you're going up in the stratosphere i'm not touching that shit <laughs> I'm staying away from the energy drinks, man. I'm, yeah. I'm too hyper anyways. Um, <laughs> thing is that when the, what, one of the most hor horrific drinks they do there is the vodka shot, right? But now you have the powder energy drink. You, you heard powder? about- Powder? Yeah, there's a powder. You put it in the water normally ah. and, you, and, and it fizzes, makes it nice and fizzy. And then you drink the water with the energy powder. Now they take the vodka shot and they put the powder right on top. <laughs> yeah. That's how you sound after drinking. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it was. It was. I. I. They sometimes, you know, they wanted made me do it. So I just took the the packet of with the energy energy drink and I was, and then they now they put it in the mouth. You don't have to put it right in the in the in the on the thing. So I I threw it on the ground before yeah, and then okay. I'm like, oh okay, I'm <laughs> I'm doing it. Yeah, but no. No way I'm going to drink in that because it's just, it tears your intestines apart, basically, yeah. what it does if you drink that with alcohol. I think a lot of people also don't, maybe don't know the story of how like Red Bull came about. Um, because before the powder, I know like the original way that energy drinks have had in, in Cambodia and Thailand is like a concentrate almost. Mm. The energy drinks come in a small little jar that looks like it might be medicine or something like that. And it's more like a thick syrup, and the store, and and that's typically how, like, where how the energy drinks were taken, uh, had over there, and I, the story goes that whoever it was, Mister Red Bull, I don't know who the fuck it was, was traveling through Asia, had one of these small syrupy little bottles of energy drink, and where this stuff is great, but we need to carbonate it and sell it to Westerners. Westerners won't drink it like this. And yeah, carbonated the the syrup stuff, and yeah. that's how Red Bull took off. Wow, yeah, most of the most of the best sellers come from Asia. Yeah. The, the, that part because there's no rules. They don't no, give a no. fuck. There's like, let's try this. Where let's see what this does on humans. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> they try anything there. Uh, yeah, the the and it, it says on a can. I think don't drink it with alcohol. Uh, right, as uh, they pour it into yeah. your bucket, like yeah. this, and it's not even real, like it's not even Red Bull. It's like local knockoff. It's like uh, yeah, 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 Green it's Bull or something. It, or it, it, that doesn't say on on a local can. It doesn't say don't mix with alcohol. Probably <laughs> they don't give a fuck over there. 
So you live in a working at this bar every night. It's a party every, every night. night. I mean, that has to be a struggle. Like any artist has the struggle to not overindulge on drink and drugs. I mean, even as comedians, we're not crazy, but we're also at a bar every night. It's hard not to have a few. Mm. It's hard not to just hang around and, you know, have a couple of drinks afterwards. Like, but you're at a friggin' Cambodian backpacker bar five nights a week. Yeah. It's gotta be hard to keep yourself together. I did good, yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I, well, it's just, just how it works. You, you mm. wake up at noon and you, you know, you go out it's you hot. Get, you get ready. It's it's hot and and uh, yeah. You just you just drink. Uh, I didn't do that all the time. I didn't do sure. music thing. I did a um, consultation uh, uh, for actually. I did a consultation for big hotels there and and restaurants and uh, resorts. Oh, well, helping uh, with the kitchen and setting yeah. up the kitchen and yeah. stuff. Okay, and setting up the whole like the restaurant, uh, mm -hmm. the the waiting thing and the reception and the kitchen. Kitchen is obviously my expertise, but man. People went like big companies went there and opened hotels, casinos, mm. right? And uh, the the kitchen, they don't have anybody to employ to the kitchen, or, or or there's nobody who would make decent food. So wherever I went in, I, w I went like, maybe I want to work here. And I went in, I ate there, and I after I went to talk to them, I said, okay, uh, I can I can do this for you. Yeah. Right? What do you think? You you want to do it? They were like. A hundred percent time. Everywhere I went, they said yes. Huh. So I worked there for a few months. I I, I changed the menu. I trained the chefs. Uh, and uh, is it just because they can't? I mean, local people don't have those sort of skills yeah. or cooking in that environment. Yeah. I mean, people have great skills and amazing food, but not in that sort of a Western kitchen type yeah. setup thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I I I went one one gig I did with that was. I went to this beautiful island to take care of a, a resort, and they had a private beach. Uh, very, <laughs> it wasn't like a fancy uh, sure. place, but very basic bungalows. Um, it was closest to paradise I ever seen. So uh, they took me there. They said, "You wanna, you wanna take this job?" I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll stay here in, on a, on a beach uh. for a few months, you know." And uh, I, I turned. They had real issues there with stuff, and we we ended up changing. Or the whole stuff there. Mm. Uh, they left, you know. They left. I, I came in to make some changes, and they they. It was really interesting with with uh, also these Cambodian people that they they listen to uh, who's oldest. Mm. Doesn't have to be the smartest, but as long as they're oldest, they have to listen to that person because that's the respect, you know. They give the that's the how, how the family and they're very family orientated. Mm. So everything else, uh, family comes first. Everything else comes second. So I was like, yeah, we gotta do these changes. I gotta take this person out of the kitchen, you know, put her to uh, housekeeping and take, put, give, give. I wanted to give uh, a, a charge to this young chef. Uh, I, I saw the potential. She did really good, really nice, um, and I knew this would this would work, you know. Yeah. I, that's my job. This is how I go in. I see what's wrong. I, I, you know, I make it work. Now this uh, oldest person. She was in the kitchen. She didn't like that. Now she's being sent to the mm. housekeeping. She catered everybody. And they're leaving. Everybody, you know, just me and one other guy stayed in the whole uh, resort. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, but it turned out that they had pulled this again uh, before as well to the owner. They said that we're leaving, you know. Yeah. So they they demanding something from the owners, and the owners have to. They have nothing else to do but say yes, you know. Yeah. But now I'm there, and uh, I I say no, 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 no. 
you know just start sending new people as as soon as you can you know we're taking care of it for a week or so uh-huh. with two people uh so we did and they started sending new people and then we trained them and um i uh, we turned that place around in in three months yeah it, it, it didn't make any money with kitchen before right. i went in and they said i, I said i want some money with from it i don't want to do it for free and they said yeah, we give you like thirty percent from the kitchen profits, and, ah. and they were la- they were laughing because the kitchen was making not, not making any any money. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So I went in there. I changed the thing. I started doing uh, dinners. So uh, everybody, uh, there's a time for lunch and dinner. Everybody gets together and mm. we eat at the same time. So we uh, the expenses we we you know we pull together the expenses drastically. They never seen anything like this, this before. And it, the kitchen started making money the first month I was there, right? So yeah. I, I just started making money, mm. and they they were really really happy and really impressed. So after that they gave me a uh, they gave me a free uh, scuba diving course. Okay. Yeah, shout out Dennis if if he's listening. Um, yeah, and I did my huh. uh, my my dive master there as well in Chinookville. Yeah, in Chinookville. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was. Uh, I mean, it's an amazing thing to settle into this town, to settle into this new culture. I mean, I understand there's a lot of foreigners there as well, but it's a it's quite a mix of locals and foreigners, and and to be able to okay, we got a band going, we're getting this kitchen. Are you doing the kitchen at the same time as the band? Because that, I mean, the kitchen you got to be there at night, yeah, don't not, you? Yeah, they, they, they were, uh, there was times that I did the daytime, mm. I did the consultation, and the okay. evenings uh, we played, so the evenings yep. were off. Yeah, but that was too much. Uh, I, I didn't want to do that for long, so uh, I, I changed because my bandmates they had to travel as well. Now mm. and then they had to go home or. or so how much did you get? Uh, let Let's say you guys are playing at the after you got going. I mean, at the, you're playing at the Led Zephyr. How much are you guys getting as a band per night? Yeah. Um, at first, I was actually really surprised that they're paying me. You know? Yeah, sure. You're, you're new. Like, of course, <laughs> when you're new, you don't expect nothing. I'm not going to say no. Uh, but there was when we were with a the band, um, there was 25, I think it was $25 each mm. uh, and food and drinks. Okay. So that's not a lot, obviously, uh, but we played every night, so it kind of, you know, builds up. There's other gigs as well. We can do solo gigs, and uh, that will give you around 50 or 75 bucks. Mm. So it's it's around that area. Um, if you if you you know if you're more famous, you maybe get 150 dollars or something like that. Sure. It's 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 not highly paid at all. Uh, of course, we're talking about a backpacker bar in the south of Cambodia, yeah. but. I mean, maybe your expenses get pretty low and you're able, I guess you're able to scrape by. You can put it all together. Oh, you're yeah. doing the extra work with the kitchen. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's that's how it worked. I did a bit of this, bit of that. I did scuba diving as well. And I worked as a dive master. I oh, got money. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got money from there as well uh, so, sometimes. And Because uh, um, is there some, so even when you get the band together, I mean, you guys, so it's great that you are doing five nights a week because you're getting that practice. You're pulling it together as a band. You're getting tighter. You can okay, yeah, you're playing Britney Spears, but still, mm. you're playing. It's mm. it's all right. There was different gigs, right? We had yeah. uh, we had this bar, and it, this bar we played. Um, it was a really nice bar, although it was in in Cambodia. It was really it was uh, owned by an uh, uh, Englishman. He used to work for Rolls Royce. He did the uh, jet engines for Rolls Royce. Uh, jet, yeah, Rolls Royce make the big jet engines yeah, yeah, for a lot of the Boeing, yeah. whatever big so, jumbos and so shit. So he was an engineer uh, oh. for that, and he moved to Cambodia. He opened up this big proper really nice bar and and it wasn't like a shack or anything like that but but we had different gigs so there was a saturday nights there was this marketplace where the, the it was it was incredible that they had a big space uh, and uh, and a big stage 
on a river, a uh, lot of buzz. Some nights there were 400, 500 people there. Dang. Yeah, we rocked, you know. Then that that was there was uh, it started from 6 p.m. until 11 p.m. and then the DJ took over. But they had like six live performances. Everybody had an hour, and the last live performance was a band. Okay. So um, a lot of Saturdays we did the. I d sometimes I did I played the so solo gig in like 6 p.m. and then I did with the band. I did that you know nighttime. So it it was. It was uh, different gigs, uh, and we, we over there we could obviously pay, play what more what we want the party music, you mm -hmm. know, the the more jumping, dancing, and and stuff like that. So um, yeah, th this is this is how it worked for a while, and uh, so this lifestyle, I guess, in some way for this time in your life, has agreed with you, like this. Oh, I needed that, yeah. Yeah, okay. This is a nice way to be for you. We're playing mm. music, you're doing the kitchen. But the mo most important was to absorb the culture and, and um, get that, you know, uh, mm. mingle with locals, uh, you know, get to, get to, get to know uh, something different that where are you from, right? Mm. So that's... that's right, because otherwise you're just talking to the same fucking Aussie little backpacker kid. Oh, yeah, mate. I'm partying. I'm here. Come from Melbourne. Fucking great. I'm going to school next year. My dad's a rich cunt and I'm yep. going to law school, but now I'm partying in Cambodia. Like, fuck off. Mm. The backpackers' yeah. conversations, oh. we, were, we were making fun of them all the time. We didn't. <laughs> we were just. No, we heard it a hundred <laughs> times, man. We know. This every night, this, this happens, the same conversation. So. Um, the only advantage that I had to that, because after being a backpacker myself for a year, um, yeah, I mean, you get fucking sick of mm. that, right? Yeah, yeah. The only advantage that I found to that is it's what taught me to talk to women. Mm. Being no good to talk to women before, not only was I traveling with my friend who was much better at it than me, so I could have then observe him every night talking to women, but yeah, you get a groundhog day of it's the same people. Like it's a different person, but it's the same person. Oh yeah. And you get to just try and try again. And it's not like, oh, you're banging chicks all the time. I don't mean like that, but you get to try like talk and talk and try. And you know, it's deliberate practice at, talking to people out of nowhere yeah 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 absolutely um huh yeah i mean yeah. Uh, it it, it uh, but if you're living there as a local yeah that's it's getting a bit much yeah um there was with girls i don't mind if girls talk to me <laughs> the same same i can talk for a, for a, a thousand years i can talk the same if, if necessary and i don't i don't care but the, you know the guys and and uh I just I just don't care that much, and and as a musician, obviously it was quite easy, you know. The backpacker town, girls are drunk, you know. We performing on a stage, mm. the you know, uh, two of us were single, and me and the drummer were single, and <laughs> the, even the girls are like, I want that one, you know. They're, they're so <laughs> drunk, they don't even care, you know. Like, and and um, yeah, we 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 did good there in that department as well, but. You know, you can't you can't overdo as well. It's mm. it gets uh, boring and and uh, old at some point. So you, you gotta you gotta change lifestyle. Uh, I I you know I had a had a girlfriend there as well for a, for a uh, for a long time. So uh, okay. was she local? Or? Uh, yeah, uh, she was from uh, Singapore. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, we had a we had a great time. She's a lovely 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 girl. Uh, very smart, very spiritual. Everything I needed, you know. She she took me to another level for sure. Uh, yeah, 
she was my teacher and uh and you seemed um for your time there because we're, we're trying to get to this topic of what like societies the the rules and what everybody's doing and like i was saying me and ari before we're looking around seeing all these dudes with porsches and we're like why don't we have a porsche and but you know what those guys probably went to school go to the university they're starting businesses i don't know maybe daddy's helping them out with ah, it's probably at least you know it's probably hey, yeah there's the next part <laughs> how who's paying for all this stuff uh and these people are on this path and then you've got you just enjoying life in cambodia doing some stuff making it happen it's not a it's not like this glamorous you're not driving a porsche around you're grabbing a tuk-tuk where you need to go yeah but I, it's a good life still i had a motorbike there um i was driving around and at the, at one point i mean it was so it was corrupt right so uh you're driving a motorbike and the police is always there uh you know get me give me some money you know mm. you don't have a helmet or you don't have a driving li driving license <laughs> or something like that they're just collecting from two till five. From five p.m., they're gone and they're done with. You know that. And I, uh, and uh, I bought a I bought a bigger bike just to, just to drive through police when I see them, so that I don't have to pay them two dollars anymore because it was getting boring. You could drive faster or something. Yeah. So that I, yeah. I just, they they don't even care. They're like ah, yeah, here's, the, <laughs> here's the next one. Yeah. And th I I actually did that, and and uh, it worked. Huh. And uh, the, yeah, the thing is, uh, yeah, to, to enjoy life. The thing is that you know we're taking too seriously this, this all, all this uh, life stuff. You know, we we just gotta chill out and relax and and just breathe for a moment sometimes, and you know, take time for ourselves. And uh, it's it's not always easy. Also, it's painful to go out there, and you probably know as well. It's uh, you know you've been traveling that there's times there are tough. And that, that you learn from these moments, you learn the most, right? So at the end of the day, these moments are more valuable, even those and then those, you know, times that you had a good time. So you really have to um, adventure to the world and, and uh, you know, get the whole package, not just have fun, but have pain and suffering and all that and, and see some gruesome shit, you know? You go to. I've seen some gruesome shit, and come. I've seen you know traffic accidents that are horrific, and and uh, all sorts of uh, you know. You see, you see the real life out there. I like, I like where you're going with this, but I think to get into a, a detail of your story because I think often people are all like, they friggin' got their copy of Eat, Pray, Love. They're ready to go. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go find myself. Mm. Oh, I'm gonna go and do this, and I'm gonna go explore. You know, enough with the nine to five job. Enough with the man keeping me down. I need to find the passion that's in my heart, and that doesn't work unless you've done the groundwork before. And we've already heard that in your story, the way that you were able to be free, the way that you could support yourself and do this is because you got these skills in London and okay, you trained as a chef, there was that. You then went through a trial by fire in London in one of the most intense environments in cooking that one could imagine. You've earned that skill, you've, you've developed that skill and then that is how you're able to then go and enjoy yourself in that time. Because it's not like, oh, I just abandoned my job and I ended up in Chinookville 
And now I got to work out, oh, I once played a guitar in high school. So now I'm playing in a band. Like for me, it was that I have this masters of computer science and I worked for some years and I was fortunate that my first boss, uh, Rob Castaneda, he quickly worked out that I was better at talking than I was at programming. And uh, I have a debt to pay for him. I was sort of, it's now a very big company, but I was employee number, I don't know, 15 or something, that classic startup getting in the ground story. So I got to see how the company evolved. I got close access to a, a, a growing leader to see how he did it. And they also did training. They did IT training. And so he's like, we need a trainer. You're gonna be a trainer. And I'm like two weeks out of university. I'm like, I guess I taught some shit in university. I taught like a course. I'm like, all right, I can do this. And it was, yeah, really hard work because I'm teaching, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I've got to go to some other, I've got to go to Melbourne and teach a training course in a big building in this IT software that I only learned last week, but fuck it, I'll, you know, you know, and when I talk about the, my work experience and the, cause a trainer has to have experience, you know, I did these projects. I'm talking about my university assignments, but it doesn't matter. And I'm somehow bullshitting my way through this. And over the years of being a trainer long enough, well, I actually get experience and I actually do end up knowing what I'm talking about. And it was then uh, the the company that owns this software, they were called Web Methods. I don't think they even exist anymore. Then the European office heard that there was this nuts Australian kid who was happy to travel and do anything. And so then they would start to bring me to Europe and I would do like four, I did like four weeks in a row. And I did you know a week in, in Germany and a week in Norway a week in Finland in the middle of winter. Oh my God, I go to Finland. I have no idea about Finland. I've just come to Europe. I teach these two Finnish guys in an office in Espoo and they don't show an emotion for the whole five days. Mm, typical Finnish. And I write to my boss because everything that you're in training world, you're only judged on the, uh, like, are they happy? And they do a survey at the end of the week, online survey. And it's all about how good that survey is. Like, because it'll take them weeks, if not months to work out you're full of shit. Like once they get back to the workplace. Mm. So it's all about that survey. So I get really good at like taking them out to lunch on the Friday. We have a couple of beers. Oh, now it's time to do the survey. Great. <laughs> And so I get really good at, at doing that. And I write to my boss on the Friday morning before the before I go on this ritual. And I'm like, boss, I don't think this is gonna be good. These two motherfuckers haven't cracked a smile all week. They haven't asked the question. I don't know what we're gonna do. And my boss writes back, well, thanks for telling me this is gonna happen sometimes. Don't worry about it. She's like, I've heard the finish can be a little bit unemotional. I'm like, oh really? Oh, okay, sure. Now I've learned something cultural today. And, and yeah, we get the survey results back five out of five. They loved it. And mm. I was like, well, you're gonna fucking tell me that. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, so I've I've like done this work over the years of yeah. traveling. That's how I supported myself when I lived in Estonia for the first time, still traveling around doing these training courses. It's not like I just had a job in Sydney, abandoned my life and came to live in Estonia and then be like, no, what the fuck do I do? I still had this gig going that gave me skills that I can earn money. 
And I was still, even to a certain level, even after we formed Comedy Estonia, still doing a bit of IT work. I, I didn't like it, but I was still doing a bit. I I actually worked a little bit back in the day on the Estonian uh, X-Road system, this system that hooks up all the Estonian IT systems. I like trained a bunch of those guys and did a little work on that. So I was still getting a little money coming in. And I was able to, in the early days of Comedy Estonia, very gently bring down the amount of IT work I did as I was bringing up the creative as we were doing more uh, comedy shows, maybe selling some tickets, maybe uh, people wanted us to come to the party or something like that and getting a private event. And that's how you've got to do it. That's it. I think if people want to make a sea change, right on. They want to get out of the mold that they're in, but you have to find this way to sort of just guide it into your new career. And that's exactly what you did. You're in Cambodia helping kitchens out. This mm. is literally what you trained for. Yeah, your, your story is absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, that's how it is. You just gotta roll, you gotta roll with it sometimes. You know, I went to London first time, I only had a plane ticket mm. and, a, and a few bucks. That's you didn't plan it, right? This wasn't your plan no, either. No, no. Oh, I'm gonna go talk to the top chef then I'm going to Cambodia, no, no, no. just goes just an opportunity came along a friend uh, invited me he, he was going so uh he was like there's a company there he can we can live in a company house until they find us a job mm. and then we start paying the rent and it's it, it was everything was great you know mm. that's that's all how it worked out i mean it was difficult for uh, for the first time to go out uh, you know after three months i was thinking what the fuck am i doing here you know like it, it, it was dark you know leave, uh, you travel every day for one hour to work one hour back mm. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the system was new, the kitchen system, everything was new. It was hard. You know, it was, it was you know, like I said, sometimes life gets difficult, but you just got to get through that and it gets better and better and better. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, the, the thing is, I don't have any expectations, you know, when I go anywhere. Uh, mm. In that way, you cannot be disappointed. Everything that happens is a bonus, is an extra. You know? That's it's, it's very simple. So... Sometimes people think they have this great expansion, uh, you know, dreams and ex expectations. Mm. Not necessary, you know. Just like you said as well, follow the signs. You know, you you went, you worked there. They told you you good good talker. We're going to send you to Europe. You just follow the signs and and um, and sometimes you just gotta gotta you gut, you know, trust more of your gut a little mm. bit than your always your head. Right, there is the gut, There's and, and there's this balance between, because by the time I'm asked to go to Europe, I do know what I'm talking about at that stage. I can reasonably pull off these training courses without appearing like, you know, I'm hiding like a 12-year-old. So there is some mix of uh, like putting your balls on the table and then eventually developing that into a skill. Like, are you developing a skill somewhere that can be utilized and even it and and i guess i don't want people to misinterpret my story because it's super easy to understand it because everyone's all like oh i'm an it guy i'm a digital friggin nomad with the e-visa and i'm working for some startup but i live in the mountains of brazil or something uh you know i think it's less obvious when it comes to other jobs that are, you know you're not a digital nomad when you're a chef no you gotta be there mm. in a kitchen but you got a real skill like working in a kitchen and cooking and then learning how to manage is a real skill and that's a skill that like everybody needs 
Oh, absolutely. Wherever you go. And if people can get something like that, you'll be able to use it anywhere. Mm. Well, that brings up a question that I've always wondered. Why they don't teach uh, cooking in school? You know, like simple things. Money. Yeah. Why don't you? That's that's all we yeah, think bro. about every day. Th- tax. Know. Why don't they teach yeah. you how to do tax? Please, you know. Uh, Admittedly, yeah. it's not hard in Estonia. True. No, no <laughs> it takes you five minutes or yeah. something. Right, right, right. But um, <laughs> still, you know, meditation, yoga. Why are these not... Th- th- this is all very, very uh, necessary for our existence. So why are we not teaching those skills that we're going to definitely use you know, later in life? Because the things that I thought back then, I, I haven't used any of it. Zero. Mm-hmm. You know, at that, at that uh, you know... If I, if I'm looking at that that way, I can you know tell young people please get out of school <laughs> right now, you know go to work, you know start learning a skill or whatever you know make be good at something and then you then you be uh, you know that's it be good at something yeah it doesn't almost doesn't matter what it is as long no. as it's so, okay as long as it's something that you think somewhere someone might pay you for it. That's a good test. Yeah, and you enjoy it. If you enjoy it, absolutely. Slightly. You don't have to enjoy it fully, but slightly you kind of feel even interested in it. Then it's all right, you know, because I didn't really like cooking when I started it, Mm. but but I grew into it. And And you know what? I think uh, this is an awesome point that you, yeah, I, I think that often as well, we're told in today's society, follow your passion. You know, okay, I'm the career guidance counselor. I don't know if such things exist in Estonia, but it's like an American stereotype. Mm. And like, you know, no, we're no. gonna help you fight. Yeah, in Estonia, it's just go do, go make a startup. That's the career counseling in this yeah. country. Uh, yeah, the, the common advice is follow the passion. What do you like doing? And then make a career out of that. And I think the like the evidence is showing more and more that it's actually not about your passion. It's about, can you do something reasonable that's a sellable skill? And like what you said, you if you have something that's a skill and you get better at that skill, you will enjoy it. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I sometimes I'm even... I'm, I grave it, you know. I mm-hmm. want to get back to it when I haven't done it for a while. So uh, definitely, it's 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 part of me. And uh, also because cooking is a is a way of expressing yourself. It's still a, a form of art, okay. and uh, I can I can uh, make people happy uh, through food. Yeah, and, yeah. and and that's um, you know, chemistry in a way, uh, food chemistry, and and the way you you layer the flavors and everything. You can you can play uh, with people's emotions through food. For instance, I, I just don't think that you know we were meant to eat food and then be full and that's it. It needs to be an enjoyment mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, I like to think that good food makes you think even after a, a half an hour later you've eaten the food you'd be like mm, that was good you know I still feel in it you know yeah. my, 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 it supports my body you know it's full of minerals vitamins it's I, I when I cook I look that it's also you know just tasteful but also beneficial for the person mm. uh, so so that's there's nice. there's there's art to it um, but that's that's what I always pulled me to cooking as, as well as art because I, I you know I obviously like, I like music and and uh, and um, I can I can play with it hmm. yeah I've often thought that this this idea that I've got that uh, it's not necessarily you're following your passion it's developing a skill at something and then you enjoy it more it 
the analogy for me with that is like, if someone says, if you love doing something, like I love retro video games, right? I love old Sega, old Nintendo, all this sort of stuff. But I have through comedy and making, and I love comedy, but through making comedy my business and going over the edge and losing my love of comedy because it was business and that's what I had to do. And then being able to now drag it back again, but I mean, it was off the deep end, oh. right? That I went all the way to the other side of like, not hating it, but gee, this is not fun anymore because it's business. And now I've been able to drag that back and rediscover that joy and that fun and how much I just purely love doing this. After having that experience, there is no way that I'm ever gonna try and work in retro video games. There's no way I'm letting my fun hobby turn into a business. People are like, why don't you sell some of your shit, Lewis? You know, make a little online store or something like, uh-uh, no way am I making it, it's fun. I wanna do it completely for fun with no responsibilities. Uh, and to me that the example is, it's like the difference between if you just follow your passion and do your passion as a job, because that's like, oh, well, I'm inspired. I love, I don't know what, uh, yeah, I love doing that thing. So I'll, I'll, I'll make that my job. That's like going to the gym when you're inspired. When I feel good, I'm gonna go to the gym, right? But if anyone's seriously ever worked out, they know that you go to the gym when you feel like it, you go to the gym when you don't feel like it. You work out, you get a skill, you get better at going, and yeah, a lot of days you won't wanna go to the gym, but you keep on going and getting better at it. And to me, that's when someone says, oh, I'm doing this because this is my passion. I'm like, it's like going to the gym only when you feel like it. Mm. You have to have that dedication because what happens, because it's a job. So what happens when you don't love your thing anymore? Yeah. Oh, that's tragic, yeah. isn't it? I mean, the thing is that we, we can also learn a few skills. You know, we, have, we can have few hobbies and, and few skills because mm. uh, eventually, you know, we have time. Eventually, we have time, and we can we can uh, improve ourselves uh, through through time. And this is how it works. When I when I'm thinking about a new skill, skill, uh, I'm thinking about like five years in ahead. I don't know, I'm shit now, but in five years, if I do it, you know, mm. every day, I get better. It's it's simple as that. And uh, you can collect those skills. And and like you say, there's one one of yours that's mine. You know, I'm not I'm not doing anything else <laughs> with this. That's mine, and I'm keeping it right <laughs> because it's this is this is the way it is. And uh, you don't just have to have one thing, right, that you're doing. Just get a few things, two, three things, and you can, you know, go around those things a little bit, play around, and, and uh, yeah, th there's, there's ways to, uh, to feel really happy doing, you know, a job. You don't really have to, you know, go to work and not want to do it. Mm. Um, right, it's the, hap yeah, the happiness that comes from crafting the skill and crafting the skill comes from an idea of called deliberate practice. Mm -hmm. And I think deliberate practice is different from just practicing. Deliberate practice is like, if you're playing guitar, you can just practice, you can get all the Britney Spears songs and play and you're like, oh, I'm great at the Britney Spears songs. I can play all the top 40 hits. And yeah, I play for three hours a day, right? That's just practice. But when you 
are like your Danish friend and you learn these really difficult chords and riffs and you go fast and you go slow and you do things that test you and it's awkward and it's uncomfortable because you're trying these newer, harder things every day. You're also playing for three hours a day like the other Britney Spears guy, but that's deliberate practice. Mm. That's where you get better and yeah. the 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 double irony weird balance in that is it's hard because you feel awkward and uncomfortable every day every day i have to do something real hard but that's where the ultimate satisfaction will come later when you master that when you get a little better over those five years it is a little bit of delayed satisfaction you have to think Okay, I'm gonna feel great in five years, which is not very. We're as humans, we're not very good at <laughs> thinking no, that. Not at all, and especially nowadays when everything is instant, it's so hard to think ahead, and and you know, because everything receives. Even like we we order something from Amazon, it's here, you know, mm. the next morning or whatever. Everything is is getting faster. It's it's more like a video game every day now, and and. Uh, yeah, to, to think ahead and, and really get your practice down, that takes dedication and, and because me personally, I'm not, I'm not, I don't practice very good. Mm. Uh, I, I just, that's like you said, uh, there's people who practice, who, who get these riffs down and they're, you know, one of the best mm. I've seen. Uh, I'm more like, I'm, I'm not into that much. I practice a little bit, you know, I do the songs, but I don't do the scales and, and uh, I mostly practice. Uh, that's how I thought every next performance I, I, you know, I practice for every next performance. This is why I play here today because tomorrow I'm a little bit better. So I, I, that was my uh, ideology because I'm I'm a little bit I like ants in my pants. You know, I can't I can't stand on on one chair for a long time. I need <laughs> to move around. I need to run around. So it's. it's but it's I think you got that in London where. In London, you're working in a top restaurant. I mean, you're not just working in the local chippy, mm. you know, right? You are working, you've put yourself, it's yeah. not like your practice, but you've put yourself into a difficult environment. Mm. You don't have to work in such an intense oh, restaurant, no. No, no, but no. you did. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, because in, in a way, I think that I'm, uh, because, you know, I know that uh, I'm dumb. Education system <laughs> has failed me. I know that I'm dumb, but I'm persistent, right? When I when I start doing something, I'm like I, I can't give up, you know. Like yeah. I'm I'm running, uh, I'm smashing my head to the wall until it starts breaking, and then one point it breaks. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's that's my uh, secret. Just keep going. Just, just keep going. Dumb fucking yeah. bleh, bleh. It's good, man. It's what, a good skill. Yeah, whatever comes out of it. You'll, you'll be better, you know. Sometimes we, that's not a skill you're looking for, but, but maybe through that mm. experience, you'll find that what you want to do, you know. They say that we we born twice on this earth. Uh, first time when we born uh, physically, and the second time is we born when we realize why mm. we are here, what we are mo meant to do here, because we all have a job to do here. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, the, it's it's the journey to find that why it is i guess that's the the lesson or the lesson or what like i'm fucking this is socrates's fucking podcast <laughs> like but the, the 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 kind of thing that we're getting to today that it sounds like both you and i come i mean in all even australian society estonian society there is a thing of just go to school mm. get the thing you've got the job cool hey man hey seem why haven't you got a porsche yet everyone else on this block's got a porsche yeah 
Nice house. Yeah, we got guys with a pool next to the beach. What the fuck? Yeah, somebody. Why have you got a pool next to the beach? <laughs> okay, you don't need, this is unneeded, but this is what we need now. We've got a big square house. I got a pool next to the beach. Yeah. I got a portion of the driveway. Even if Swedbank, Swedbank owns 75% of it yeah. or something. Yeah. And that's what people do. And that's what's, it's, Estonia is a very prosperous society right now, which is nice as well. Good sign that everything's mm. here. But there's a balance to this. It doesn't, not everyone has to be like this. Um, the ma majority is right. Um, is, 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 is designed that way again, you know, th like you say, through school, uh, through religion, um, through, uh, you know, racism, everything that, w that keep us separated from one another. Uh, because obviously there's something dodgy going on here, right? Like, I mean, governments are what is you know are, are they do they really are are they on the top are the governments on the top or there's somebody behind them governments mm. yeah exactly you know like what's what's going on now the information is flowing right because of the internet now we can get more ex access to the information about all these families and and these people who have so much money that mm. you know we don't know how much money they have really uh politicians i know they don't have that much money right so for me it seems on the top is the people who have the most money, mm. right? This is how the society works, uh, unfortunately. But to to make it work, to make it last and keep it going, we need those uh, shoulder, uh, these 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 people who are willing to sacrifice uh, their life, their happiness, for the you know for the greater good, as they say, or 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 however they portray it. So um, I'm I'm not big on uh, conspiracy theories and all that because there's some wacky ones out no. there, right? Uh, but I have questions still. You know, I I I wanna I wanna I want some answers. Obviously, I have some, but I'm I'm not gonna, um, you know. They're what? It's the money that's controlling things. That I mean, yeah. the politics is all just a bit of a show and a song and a dance. It's it's yeah it's yeah, exactly it's it's a it's a show uh, for us for our in entertainment and uh i mean there 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 got to be uh, somebody you know the, the the big families the the banking families uh, uh, i believe they they control the the whole play right and and i would you know uh, <laughs> come on man you have what what you got you don't need any more money uh, you have all the land in the world what you going to do you still need to get your, you know, you keep your mind occupied. You power really, is odd, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, the power. Yeah, that's what you're going to do. And then, then what's what you've discovered that when you're in Sienukville and you're playing in a band and you're earning a bit of money, you're comfortable. We don't need much more after we're comfortable. Actually not. Like, I mean, I don't know how these megalomaniacs, if I'm the Rothschilds and I've had you know, money for the last 2000 years and my great, 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 great fan grandfather funded the Roman empire or something like, okay, <laughs> sure. You know, it's but a different breed, isn't it? It's, 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 uh, we are on this earth, but we are all, all together, but some of us are just a different, uh, breed. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, I mean, uh, they, they, they are also programmed that way. There, it's not their fault that they're up there. The, the, huh. and the thing is like, how they keep us uh, separated is by borders and uh, through racism. Because if one day, God forbid, we should be united as a humanity, they would be in trouble. Uh, mm. 
they would be in big trouble because we would realize that this is unnecessary. We can, there's other ways. Uh, and um, we we eating up what they're feeding us at the moment. So, mm. and it will, it will I, I don't, people say that the spiritual people, oh, this will change and be, uh, the humanity is changing. They're realizing they're getting more spiritual. I'm like, I mean, <laughs> where? Where do you see it? <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 there is obviously, but it's a small part. There's a very small percentage, and and uh, the the show must go on as it is uh, at the moment, unfortunately, as it as it seems. Mm. One of the things that's got me through the lockdown and the the uncertainty in the world, and then oh my god, the Trump and the everything and all the bad things that have possibly happened in the world. I read a lot of history and I specifically, I've taken a real keen interest in Roman history. That's why I keep dropping Roman Mm. history references through this podcast. And I'm real interested that they had this great massive, there was the Roman Republic and then that kind of went to shit and they couldn't maintain it. And then there was the, the dictators, the emperors took over. And at first I was like, oh, is there something to learn here? There was a Roman Republic. That sounds good. Republics are good. And then and then it got bad and it was too big and too massive. And then a dictator took over. I'm like, oh, I've heard this story. I know where this is going. What can I learn? What can and help me? And, and then you realize, oh, wait, the Roman Empire went for another thousand years under the dictator. What it helped me out with all of this is that all this shit has happened before. Mm. It's happened before. People are nuts. I love reading. You can so easily read a history of Rome and just go, wait, these people are acting just like we are right now. Yeah, we got a cell phone and a Tesla. But beyond that, it's kind of the people are the same crazy mass that they've always been. And that gives me, I get solace out of that. I get comfort out of that knowing you know what? We're not different. Like you think like, ah, the Trump's coming and then the world's ending and it's cyberpunk now and it's Blade Runner and it's the matrix and the machines. It'll be right. Mm. You know, it's going to be bad for a while, but we just go up and down and some history has taught me like, just chill the fuck out. It'll go up and down. History also repeats itself quite often. And, and, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you can, you can do what you do, but, end of the day you just gotta you know enjoy the ride mm. there's there's no um, what's the point of worrying about the things you you know you cannot change mm. just just uh you know worry about the things you can change and and just well that's very stoic that's what roman emperor marcus aurelius one of the great stoic philosophers would say just what can you Mm. control oh you know, you cannot then that's what got me through lockdown actually yeah is really heavily thinking about thinking about the company and going okay you can't control it you're going to lose all the money you can't control it yeah. just accept it yeah the, the okay. thing is just accept it they have this saying right like to change the things and don't change the things but nowadays they have the same saying but just a simpler way because we, we are getting more simpler as humans and they say what they say now is uh, uh, it is what it is <laughs> Is what it is, bro. This is what it is. You know what you can I? What you, can I do? You do you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we we uh, you know we gotta we gotta see at least those things and and think about and question those things. We don't have to start you know be a messiah, but just just uh, to you know educate yourself on those things maybe a little bit and uh, 
And I don't know, man. End of the day, people will keep on doing what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it's just, yeah. That's that's the main thing. Just do what you do and keep on doing it, and and uh, do it as long as you can. Nice. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. <laughs> Thanks for coming yeah. in, Stan. Thanks yeah, yeah. My pleasure. Absolutely. It's it's uh, been an absolute pleasure nice. uh, being here. So you're gonna do okay. We've got Uxquake open mic. You coming tonight? Ooh, I'm coming tonight. Fuck yeah. Uh, You're um, on the lineup. We've I, confirmed I it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh shit. Um, we good? You good? I'm good. I, I got to say, this is my uh, first uh, first uh, as, a, as a stand-up. Right. Because cool. we didn't get to that, that you did, you were doing something like this in Cambodia or something? Uh, I, I did I did a few shows there, uh, the same place that I uh, played music, Led Zephyr. Uh, the owner really liked the idea, so I, just, I called you up as yeah, well. I yeah, asked your advice. Right, right, I, I, I asked your advice and everything, and I, I did three shows, and it went really good. Nice. But uh, the the main comedians they are in uh, in Phnom Penh, which mm. is a uh, capital, and they do shows there all the time. So, we and I was doing music, so we decided it's just uh, we had these three great shows. Let's uh, keep it at that. That's and, a good uh, thing. And yeah, so yeah. tonight, you're so tonight, do it, uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna do it. Um, I don't have much experience, right? But uh, with that, but I uh, have a little bit. You know, playing music is you still have to talk. Sometimes you have to entertain people. But with with music is you can always immediately stop talking when you say <laughs> something stupid and start playing and, and everybody forget what, what you just said so that's 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 been my uh you know my safety raft that guitar which i don't have today so let's, let's just see. as long as you do your five minutes that's it that's the most important yeah with any open micers do your time you'll always be invited back mm. It's when you do 10 minutes and we can't drag you off the stage, then we're like, this, this guy's never coming back again. No, no, do no. Do the time, perfect. Five minutes is, is maximum <laughs> I'm gonna do tonight, trust me. <laughs> it's great, man. Yeah. All right, well, uh, let's, we'll see you downtown later on. Excellent. All right, thanks everybody. Thank Bye-bye.